the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to The Firing Line. The Firing Line radio show is brought to you by Bullseye Sports in Riverside, the Riverside Indoor Shooting Range, CCW Safe, Moppin Financial Advisors, Cutting Edge Bullets for when you care enough to send the very best, Prado Olympic Shooting Park in Chino, and Vortex Optics. Vortex, the force of optics. And now your host, Philip Naiman. Good. Bad. I'm the guy with the gun. Ladies and gentlemen, I am filling in for Phil Naiman. My name is Paul Chabot. Phil Naiman is traveling the world, probably hunting terrorists as we speak. Ladies and gentlemen, it's great to be back with you and great to be here on Firing Line. We've got an exciting lineup and a number of important topics that are critical not only to us as proud Second Amendment Americans, but also uh, to our nation. I want to address a few issues that are uh, before us today, and I think that we have a lot of work before us. Let me speak uh, for a moment here on behalf of us veterans. You know, a, a number of you listeners have either served in the military, have a son, a daughter, husband, father, brother, sister that has served or is still serving in the U.S. military. Um, myself as a veteran, let me tell you, there is a an effort underway that I think is, is very misguided and could harm our veterans. And it has to deal with guns. Um, there, there is a dramatic push uh, to get guns uh, out of the hands of, of people who shouldn't have them, correct? Or, or not, right? We see in our communities that gang members pretty much have free will. Uh, they don't follow the rules. They have guns uh, consistently that they steal or that are made out of country and trafficked in uh, that they buy. But I want to speak to you a little bit about something different, that with all of these terrorist acts that we've seen here, um, killing innocent men, women, uh, and children, that there has been a push to look at the mental health of people, of adults, of uh, legal gun owners. And I'd like to tell you why I think this is a little bit of a slippery slope and why we as Second Amendment uh, supporters need to look at this and look with caution. Look, none of us uh, want to see a gun in the hands of anybody who's dangerous, who any, anybody who's not responsible. However, what we are seeing is a dramatic push um, for looking at mental health uh, for those who carry guns. Now, how far this goes in Congress, how far this goes here at the state level is yet to be determined. But let me, let me couch this conversation with a fact. You know, when you look at our men and women who serve overseas or domestically, and in the battlegrounds that they have served in, from Iraq to Afghanistan to the Horn of Africa to the special operation missions all around our great nation. Let's think for a moment about the position that they are each placed in, the dangerous circumstances that they deal with. Now, for most of us, we get to live in the freedom of this country because of the brave that go outside the wire. But we know many of you, most of you, all of you, if your number was called, you would serve up to fight for this great, great nation. Well, right now, many of our defenders could potentially have their Second Amendment rights placed in jeopardy. And where am I going with this? Research shows that one in five veterans coming back from war are dealing with symptoms of PTSD or post-traumatic stress. We should take that disorder out of it and 
Just call it what it is, post-traumatic stress. One in five, that's a, a big number, and it, it could be quite bigger. And you know, research right now is just trying to figure out how we can help and rehabilitate and work with our veterans who have PTSD. And let me say that I know a number of them, a number of them that I would trust with my life. I would trust with a gun that they love this country. But I tell people that if you look at a veteran today, I think we can all accept the fact that we are all a little bit broken. It is unnatural to be taken from your environment and placed in a, another place where you are consistently worried about threats. So what do I mention that in, in PTSD? And it's because there is a, a push when we look at mental health. And if we are going to begin to look at mental health as a qualifier for who should and should not have a weapon, does that mean that our veterans who are dealing with post-traumatic stress that have been literally in the firing line may be looked upon as too dangerous or a risk? Uh, to me, that is asinine because those are the people that ensure the freedoms we have here today. Now, are there unique circumstances among that population where you might have a rogue individual? Absolutely uh, the case. And that's where it is our jobs uh, as brothers and neighbors and husbands and fathers to do that very good due diligence. But if we begin to clump all of our military veterans into a basket of saying that we must evaluate them because they have been deployed, and when we do evaluate them and they come up with symptoms of PTSD, is that going to red flag them down the road for not being able to have their weapons? Let me tell you what else. It, we've got to deal with this issue of mental health amongst our troops. Uh, the highest rate that we have amongst suicide on our military it is our military veterans. The highest adult rate of suicide in our country is veterans. If our veterans do not get the help that they deserve from a very broken VA system, some will end up in divorce, alcoholism, suicide uh, institutions. So what we have to do is break the stigma of post-traumatic stress uh, to encourage our veterans to find the help groups that are out there locally here in the Inland Empire. And if you're a veteran suffering, I'd like to hear from you. Uh, you can reach out to me directly anytime at my website, which is paulchabot.com, paulchabot.com. And if you're not finding the help at the VA, uh, I will do all I can to, because brothers and sisters, we, we've got some problems. Also within that community, if we are to say then that men and women who serve in combat, those who have been identified with post-traumatic stress, how now reluctant will a veteran coming back from Iraq Afghanistan be to discuss the issues that they had, the trauma that they have seen, the nightmares that they may have? if they know that they may be on some kind of a list or determined unfit uh, to possess a weapon. I think there and there lies a greater problem that we will continue to drive underground uh, this issue, which affects so many. And if we believe that PTSD only affects military, uh, we're sadly mistaken. You know, I've had the honor of, and privilege of serving both uh, here in our community as a reserve deputy sheriff for 20 years and in uniform in the U.S. military for coming up 15 years next month. How about our, our law enforcement? Uh, the men and women on the streets protecting us every single day, who, by the way, are under attack uh, from extreme leftists, accusing them of everything from uh, murder to uh, uh, killing innocent children, which could not be farther uh, from the truth. Uh, the men and women in blue, the men and women in tan who patrol our communities do so at grave risk today, where they have very little support from our elected officials. They have very little support from the community when the community turns on them. But let's think about the, the day in and day out of a police officer. Let's think about that here in the city of San Bernardino, one of the most violent cities in the nation, the second poorest only behind Detroit, 
where they have a fledgling police force down in manpower and crime is absolutely out of control. How about those police officers every single day that respond to shots fired or seeing the tragic harm to innocents on the streets? Do you think that they may also be dealing with mental health issues? I would gauge so. I think that anybody who consistently puts themselves in harm's way is a little vulnerable. And we've got to look at the human mind, the psyche. Look, how we were designed as human beings was fight or flight. But to continuously put ourselves in harm's way is different than how we are wired. We are wired to fight, to win the fight, or run to stay safe. But law enforcement, military, you can't run. You are there, locked in on the battlefield of Iraq, Afghanistan, the international world, or here on our streets. So what do we do? We need to have an honest discussion, a frank discussion with the American public. That if we begin to go down the road of categorizing those who are dealing with stress, those who are dealing with anxiety as incapable of owning a weapon, of incapable of being a responsible gun owner, then that very well, ladies and gentlemen, might eliminate any one of us at some point in our lifetime. Because odds are today with violent crime up 12 to 14% in California, double that in many cities here in the Inland Empire, odds are you or a loved one will be a victim of a crime and a chance of a violent crime. I've worked with crime victims for a number of years as a state parole board commissioner with Crime Victims United of California. And when we talk to our crime victims and the circumstances that they have been through, I guarantee you many of them are dealing with post-traumatic stress as well. So we have a right, a responsibility to protect and defend those who are dealing with issues, but we also must understand that there is an underlying current in this nation, an underlying current with those like uh, former Mayor Bloomberg, who funds huge anti-gun political action committees and attacks pro-gun, pro-Second Amendment candidates, that there is an agenda out there by the extreme far left that will find any wedge issue to attack our Second Amendment rights. Here in this city of San Bernardino, after the December 2nd attacks, within four hours, a very leftist congressional member out here called for gun control. Without knowing the facts, without knowing the victims, Without speaking to their families, he ran right to the leftist agenda talking points to take advantage of a terrorist attack in our backyard. Ladies and gentlemen, if they will do that here, they will do that anywhere across America. We must promote and advocate for gun safety, get the hands out of criminals and those who will harm, harm any of us without the proper defense as prescribed by law. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to continue on here in the hour with uh, some guest speakers, and we'll discuss uh, many more of these topics as well. You're here listening to Fireline. I'm filling in for Phil Naiman. My name is Paul Chabot. Be right back after these messages. A message from Vince at Bullseye Sport. Bullseye Sport thanks the many families who have allowed us to provide them a firearm that helped them protect their home this past year. Before you shop for your personal protection firearm, I encourage you to come on down to Bullseye Sport in Riverside and speak with me, Vince, the owner, or one of my many good people at the store. You will receive a welcome and an educational experience that will help you feel confident and comfortable in your firearm purchase. Bullseye Sport wishes you and your family a Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year, and to have a safe 
holiday season. Give the gift of protection with a stocking stuffer or gift certificate in any amount from Bullseye Sport. Use your AM590 mobile app to enter to win a bucket of bullets, 1,400 rounds of 22 ammunition. Download it for Apple or Droid and click on the Bullseye ad to enter. No purchase necessary. Bullseye Sport in Riverside, 951-823-0211. Pull! Whether you're a gold medalist or new to the sport of shooting, you'll love Prado Olympic Shooting Park in Chino, where Olympians shoot. Prado's shotgun facility is world-class, offering trap, skeet, and five-stand. And the pistol and rifle ranges are safe and enjoyable shooting environments with professionals there to answer all your questions. Are you an experienced pistol shooter with an itch to take your skills to the next level? Discover the sport of practical shooting at one of the monthly events. Prado hosts ISPC shooting events open to the public every first and third Sunday with Prado Running Gun Club, blending accuracy, power, and speed with challenging multiple moving targets, penalty targets, and obstacles. Prado Olympic Shooting Park is a great place to teach your whole family about the safe and effective use of firearms. Bring the whole family for an exciting day at the shooting range. Call Prado Olympic Shooting Park at 909-597-4518. Online at shootprado.com. 909-597-4518. AM 590. The answer. This portion of the firing line is brought to you by Bullseye Sports in Riverside and Cutting Edge Bullets for when you care enough to send the very best. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. See this? This is my boomstick! Uh, Vince, the owner of Bullseye Sports Gun and Ammo in Riverside and sponsor of the Firing Line radio show, wants to stress the importance of safety in firearm usage. If you're a first-time gun owner or thinking about purchasing your first firearm, whether for hunting, home defense, or target shooting, it's important to take the next step and become a responsible gun owner. Vince and Phil highly recommend that you attend a certified firearm safety and training course, one that will teach you the basic knowledge, skills, and attitude essential to the safe and efficient use of your firearm. As a law-abiding citizen, you have the right to self-defense, And with that right comes an obligation to educate yourself on the laws and safety procedures needed to use a firearm properly. For more information about their certified firearms course, call Bullseye Sport in Riverside at 951-823-0211 or visit their website, bullseyesport.com, for a schedule of classes. Because at Bullseye Sport Guns and Ammo, they believe in safety first. 951-823-0211. 951-823-0211. 951-823-0211. 951-823-0211. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are joined here by a very special guest, Mr. Thomas Basili. He is a contributor uh, for Forbes. He has been around the world. He's worked for presidents. He has kissed the Pope's ring. Uh, he is a man of many missions and talents. I would like to welcome back Tom Basile to the Firing Line Show. Tom, you're here with Paul Chabot, your longtime friend. Welcome back to the Firing Line Radio Show. Thank you for that gracious introduction. Oh, you bet. Well, hey, look, last time we had you back, uh, we had a lot of great comments about what you had to say. And based on your expertise, we thought the listeners out there who are very pro-Second Amendment, they watch what's going on in Congress, they watch what's going on uh, in the state, 
Would you give us an update on where you think things are today uh, on the national level? You know, and when you're asked about the, the political uh, realm today that we live in, when you see uh, uh, voters on both sides of the aisle, very frustrated and upset, uh, it seems like there is a current out there which is not going to go away anytime soon. Am I correct in that? Well, I think people are very frustrated with both major political parties. But, you know, people who are in favor of the Second Amendment can at least take heart that while I think there's an argument to be made that both uh, Republicans and Democrats have overpromised and underdelivered to their various core constituencies for years, uh, that the one uh, the one firewall has been the Second Amendment. And, uh, you know, the Obama administration has tried time and time again to um, uh, to, to limit uh, the Second Amendment and uh, uh, to in- increase uh, the the amount of regulation on on firearms, and time and time again, uh, both uh, on a bipartisan basis, uh, that has been pushed back, and it's been pushed back because of the grassroots activity, and, and again, it's a nonpartisan grassroots activity on, on the part of, of pro Second Amendment folks from one end of the country to the other. So uh, I think that. Uh, the president is not realizes he's not going to be he doesn't have any political capital left to really try and um, and drive through any real uh, gun legislation uh, for the remainder of his term. That's certainly good news. The question now remains, who is the next president and how can we be sure that we're electing somebody uh, who is also going to protect those Second Amendment rights? Yeah, great point. And uh, listeners, uh, my friend Tom Basili, he is from the New York area. He uh, has firsthand experience on a number of issues. Tom, I don't know if you want to talk about what you might be working on or writing at the moment, uh, but if you're interested maybe in sharing uh, your insight on what you went through and what you saw and maybe give us a sneak peek, I think uh, listeners here might be excited to uh, learn a little bit about your work. Well, first of all, it's not what I—it's not what I'm writing right now. I have a column out for Forbes that says everybody's getting what they deserve. I, you know, I encourage people to look it up uh, because it attempts to um, uh, to uh, to analyze what uh, why people are feeling the way they're feeling, why it appears that they're willing to throw the whole system, uh, turn the whole system on its head. Um, and uh, but uh, but I think that people should also read Peggy Noonan's column about the rise of the unprotected. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of frustration out there. People have a lot of questions. What do I do? Who do I vote for? How do I know that Trump is real? Trump is back to he's, he's back gun control measures in the past. He now says that he loves the Second Amendment. So um, how do we know? Uh, what we're going to get, how we make decisions during this time. And so Peggy Newton's piece, I think, is really terrific. And, and she talks about this disconnect that I think is really prevalent in, in American politics, the disconnect between the political class, uh, the government class, and, and the rest of the people who are just trying to protect their personal and economic freedom and just trying to make it uh, in, this, in this country and that their needs aren't being served. And those on both ends, ends of the political spectrum. So, um, you know, this is a, a very challenging time for us in, in American politics and in American public life, um, given the fact that I think we've seen in many respects a, uh, a failure uh, of both major political parties to be, really be responsive to the, the basic needs of, uh, of many Americans and, uh, you know, including uh, their, their financial stability, their, their opportunities for jobs, for careers, to continue to ensure that we have an economy that grows. Um, 
and then uh, certainly protecting uh, things like religious freedom and conscience uh, and uh, uh, and the right to bear arms and, and other basic Second Amendment, uh, basic um, uh, aspects of the Bill of Rights. Tom, you and I are both from states where anti-gun uh, legislation prevails at the state level. And, you know, you're from New York. And those of us across the country heard and learned of the success of Stop and Frisk uh, in New York. I, I have not been back to New York. Um, I don't believe I have since uh, de Blasio has been the mayor. If I have, it's been a quick trip in and out, but I've not had time to travel around New York City. Um, with With your new mayor, how has his policy of stopping stop and frisk um, affected the, the climate and the crime in New York in New York how would you describe that well let me let me give you a sense of how the um, of how the pendulum has swung back in the other direction so not only have they abrogated stop and frisk but they are trying to abrogate uh, the broken windows theory of, uh, of enforcement um, that uh, that helped uh, that helped New York City's be a catalyst for New York City's renaissance uh, during the during the 1990s and uh, during the Giuliani administration and the Bloomberg administration. And then, uh, after some of the incidents with police officers that have gotten a lot of attention, you know, now uh, just this last week, the the police commissioner uh, comes out and says, you know, you know, these cops uh, they need to close their eyes and take a deep breath and count to ten before they react. Wow. I mean, when you think about how utterly inane and stupid that is, uh, it, it's, uh, it, it really shows you the mindset. You know, we've got a law enforcement community, uh, and uh, you have, again, also a pro-Second Amendment community in, in New York that, uh, that has lost uh, all backing from, uh, from the political leadership. Uh, and uh, and uh, it's a political leadership that is basically a wholly owned subsidiary of some very loud... Um, uh, very loud uh, constituents, uh, constituent groups, and special interests. That uh, and it's impacting. It's impacting uh, the safety of our police officers. It's impacting the safety of our of our citizens. And of course, it's important to remember that you know, oftentimes Democrats, Paul, they claim to want to help uh, you know those who are less fortunate, uh, people who are immigrants, people who are on the lower income scale. Well, of course, you know that when you have an increase in crime, uh, or you have an increase in graffiti, vandalism. Uh, petty crime, violent crime, uh, that hits uh, lower-income communities, minority communities first. Absolutely. It hits them worst. It hits them hardest. Uh, but nobody seems to want to want to talk about that. And it's a shame. Uh, you know, my wife and I have had beautiful vacations in New York City um, over the years, have not been back in a while. But based on what we are hearing, of course, New York is still a beautiful city. People there struggling. But you got violent crime on the rise in the city. You've got a mayor who is really laying out the police. You've got these uh, leftist community organizers um, attacking the work that men and women in blue do and telling them to take 10 and breathe. Well, it takes one and done for that shot to get fired into the officer dealing with exactly. some of the most deadly, one of the most deadly times in law enforcement that we have seen in, in our generation, uh, maybe going back to the eighties. And so it's almost as if we're going backwards and the pendulum has shifted now to such an an anti-law enforcement pro-criminal mentality, not only in New York, mm -hmm. but across this country. And now you're seeing the presidential candidates from, you know, Bernie and Hillary talking about these same exact aspects, which just a few years ago would have been unimaginary. And Tom, we got about a, a minute and a half left. Mm -hmm. Would you tell us um, how people can get a hold of you uh, about your column? We'd, we'd love for them to reach out and learn more about the great work you're doing. 
Oh, that's great. I appreciate that, Paul. You know, people can reach me uh, on Twitter at Tom underscore Basile. That's B-A-S-I-L-E at Tom underscore Basile at TomBasile.com. And certainly you can read my column on Forbes in Forbes Opinion. Just go to Forbes Opinion and uh, and stick my name into the search. My, my column is called The New Right, and I write about a new common sense, uh, broader conservative movement for America. So uh, it's always a great pleasure to be with you, Paul. And uh, and I wish you uh, I wish you and all of your listeners uh, you know all the best for uh, for a great rest of the week. Thanks, Tom. Ladies and gentlemen, that is my good friend Tom Basili. You are here listening to the Firing Line. Paul Chabot filling in for Phil Naiman. Ladies and gentlemen, stick with us. We've got some tremendous segments ahead. Uh, as you've heard already, there are very very concerned citizens around this country. We share the same beat. We are cut from the same cloth. We live in the greatest nation on the face of this earth. We are attacked on the outside by our enemies of ISIS, and we have others internally who are weakening our self-protection. We've got a lot of work to do. Thanks for sticking with us. Firing line. Be right back. Are you an expert marksman looking for a clean, safe place to shoot? Or maybe you've never shot a gun but want to learn. Well, the Riverside Indoor Shooting Range is the best place to work on your shooting skills, no matter what your experience level is. With 21,000 square feet of indoor range space, 35 shooting lanes, and an electronic target retrieval system, it means no line breaks and more trigger time. The friendly people at Riverside Indoor Shooting Range can answer all your questions about firearms training, self-defense training, firearm rentals, gunsmithing, archery, and more. And for the ladies, the Riverside chapter of The Well-Armed Woman meets there the second Tuesday of each month for women of all experience levels. Looking for a great holiday gift for the shooting enthusiast in your life? During the month of December, get 10% off a full year's membership or 10% off any gift certificate of $40 or more. Riverside Indoor Shooting Range. For directions and info, log on to RiversideIndoorShootingRange.com. That's RiversideIndoorShootingRange.com. AM 590, the answer. This portion of the firing line is brought to you by the Riverside Indoor Shooting Range and CCW Safe. Spartans, lay down your weapons! Persians, come and get them! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Firing Line. This is Phil Naiman's show, and Phil Naiman is out of country, and I am filling in. This is your host today, Paul Chabot. Thanks for joining us for an exciting uh, segment. We have got another uh, hot-button topic here as we talk and discuss uh, Second Amendment, uh, this great nation, and how we preserve and protect democracy. I want to introduce you um, to a, a very important person who works uh, with those of you who share like-minded values, and that is that this is a great nation. We have very important um, organizations and leaders out across our country that help protect and defend the work that we do, whether it is for hunting or for trade or for hobby. Um, there are people out there that you need to know about who are on your side. I'd like to introduce you to Don, and Don, I do not want to mispronounce your last name correctly, but uh, I would just say Don G. Don, welcome to the show. Would you please give us uh, your full name and then also uh, introduce yourself to our audience members here, sir? Uh, Don Gottmini, and I'm uh, president of Sacramento Safari Club. Don, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, so we're out here in Southern California, San Bernardino region, going out across on AM 590. and this program uh, is really about educating and talking to the community about Second Amendment and also just the importance of preserving those values. And then, of course, linking up with like-minded people like yourself out of Sacramento. Could you tell us a little bit about uh, your organization? And uh, I think that'd be a great starting point. 
Um, Sacramento Safari Club is a chapter of uh, Safari Club International. Uh, there's 172 chapters nationwide, or excuse me, worldwide, and 134 chapters in uh, the United States, and I believe we have 11 in uh, California. And one of our strongest chapters is in your area, the Orange County chapter. So we do monitor uh, bills in California, bills nationwide affecting hunting and shooting. Uh, we're proactive in Washington, D.C. We are proactive in uh, Sacramento as well, coordinating the uh, 11 chapters together. We have a lobbyist that works on bills that are coming out. We also have a, a public relations firm that is trying to educate the public about the benefit of hunting and conservation. That's great, Don. And how often, uh, say, would a safari club get together, whether it's Sacramento or Orange County? Uh, we meet monthly as uh, Sacramento. We meet nationally uh, three times a year, and all the uh, chapter presidents get together, and we uh, discuss a business that's going on. And then we have monthly meetings nationally between the different committees, which we have probably a dozen or more. That's great. And if uh, listeners wanted to look at, say, um, your regional organization in Sacramento, is there a website or a Facebook page where they could learn more? Yes, both. Uh, I think almost all of the ch chapters have it, but ours is uh, sacramentosafariclub.com, and you can go on there and read about all the charities we do and, and all the projects that we fund. That sounds great. Uh, when you mentioned earlier about looking at legislation, uh, are there any particular issues here in California coming up that, that you hear your members talking about that they're concerned about? Mm, let me pull up my email. Yeah. I was I was working on that this morning when I, I got the call on this. Sure. As you're pulling that up, I, I know one that we heard, and I don't know how far it has gone, but it is a, a, a bill where they're going to uh, ban the bullet button um, <coughs> on on various rifles and that possessing one will be illegal unless you go on some kind of statewide registration to grandfather that uh, that weapon in. Um, I don't know the status of, of where that is right now, but uh, that I would imagine would be a, of a concern to, to many of us, considering that the bad guys don't follow the rules anyway. Um, they're going to go out and steal guns and do what they want. They're not going to listen to uh, Jerry Brown or this legislature, but uh, we'll see where that, where that goes. Anything else that, that your members are concerned about that you might be hearing both the state or national level? Well, right now, uh, a couple of things that we're working on tirelessly is the Fish and Game Commission. And they have been um, making rules and not based on science-based facts. And so we're kind of after them, trying to make them toe the mark and do what the governor and the legislature have intended on some of these bills. They've uh, enacted a, a complete ban on bobcat trapping without doing any scientific research that they were required to do. And the other thing that we're still battling over is the lead ban. Uh, a good that, point. I was going to ask you about that. Uh, the, the Fish and Game Commission intentionally withheld information until after the uh, lead ban went into effect and didn't give it to our uh, elected officials. And could you describe to the listeners who might not be familiar uh, with the lead ban, uh, lead ban, uh, exactly what that what that does and and uh, how that might change um, things that are uh, in impacting us? Well, primarily, it's going to be the cost of the ammunition is two or three times as much as all 
all duck hunters. We've been uh, battling this for 20 years, and they come out with some other uh, ammunition that is effective. But it's also, instead of $8 a box, it's $25 a box. Yeah, interesting. So um, now, does your group go out, and do they hunt? And if let's say we wanted to create some more of these uh, safari clubs in Southern California around the Inland Empire. Um, what, what typically might might your group do on an outing, and how could people learn more about wanting to create one of their own? Um, you can go to Safari Club International, and they'll, you'll be able to see um, all the different uh, departments that we have or contact one of the existing uh, chapters. And there's no better way to network than visit with other hunters. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, let me ask you, uh, there's a story that came out, LA Times, showing that violent crime is up uh, 12% on average across the state of California. That, that's an average uh, from last year, higher in other areas. Because you're up in the Sacramento area, what are you seeing and, and feeling and hearing out there amongst your family and friends and neighbors? Are you, are you sensing uh, that rise in crime as well? Um, I don't see any rise, but I don't see it going down either. Okay. How, how do you best, uh, ask your members to get involved in the political process to, if they have a position that they want to write, they have something that they want to say on a bill. If they hear something today on the show and they said, look, this upsets me. I want to do something about it. What do you ask your members to do? What do you think are the most important steps for, uh, reaching out to elected officials and letting them know how you feel? Well, the hunting community has been terrible at this and we're in Sacramento we're putting a stop to it uh, we have a secretary that anytime I see a bill that's coming uh, we send it out in a newsletter to all of our members we also have uh, a list of members that aren't actually a chapter member and we send it to them as well anyone in our local area got it what do you think are some of the uh, the hotter selling uh, weapons up there that are being used for hunting with your group well uh, surprisingly or not and I didn't realize this, and we have our banquet coming up on March 19th, and the hottest-selling rifles are an AR-15 and a two twenty three caliber and an AR-15 and three thirty eight. and I guess they're using for hunting pigs, and it, I, I was totally shocked. Well, fascinating. I'm sure those uh, prices have skyrocketed here in California, especially if uh, the state moves forward on that legislation with banning the, uh, the bullet button for these uh, weapons because I don't see how you could actually have a functional... Uh, AR-15 at that point, unless somehow you are permanently connecting the magazine and maybe loading in one round at a time, is is that is that the only way these weapons that, uh, will be able to work if this law is passed? I, I'm not entirely sure, but it's not going to stop anything other than uh, the honest citizen being able to own a rifle. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, something we noticed down here in San Bernardino right after the terrorist attacks that, uh, you know, people really do fear for their uh, safety, fear for their lives. They understand that, you know, law enforcement cannot be everywhere uh, all the time. It would be great to have a cop on every street, but the reality is it just can't happen. Um, here, what I thought was, was just fascinating was some of our local L.A. Uh, news channels came out to some gun stores here in the Inland Empire the very next day, and they were uh, videotaping and talking to people. And the first thing that I and I'm sure everybody noticed was all of the people that were standing around to get in um, to buy a weapon. Many for the very first time, you know, single mothers, um, young ladies, all different um, dynamics made up 
this contingency of Americans who felt very much afraid, that felt that, you know, after um, we had been violated by such a traumatic terrorist attack on our soil, that, that we are very vulnerable and there is a vulnerability just to being Americans. And that's something that, that we accept. But what I advocate that we should not accept is that we should then diminish our rights. We should diminish who we are as this nation. Certainly, uh, there will always be crime. There will always be evil. But the work that we do every single day through your organization and others is critical uh, to making sure that America remains free. Uh, Don, we just got a few minutes left here. Would you uh, just uh, give us your information one more time and where people can find you? Um, Sacramento Safari Club. You can just uh, type our name in and it'll come up. Um, if you did look at Sac- or Safari Club International, you'll get the whole dynamics of the whole organization. And we can be reached um, at 209-481-0557 if anyone has any questions. Hey, thanks so much. Uh, great to have a Safari Club rep here online. And their national website, I believe, is safariclub.com. You're here listening to The Firing Line. Paul Chabot filling in for Phil Naiman with our guest, Don Don. Thanks so much for joining us. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you, Paul. If you carry a concealed weapon and own a concealed carry permit, you need protection beyond the weapon. My name is Larry Vickers, and I am a retired veteran of U.S. Special Operations, and I now teach law enforcement, civilians, and members of our military in advanced firearm training. I train people to use their firearms in almost any situation, but I can't prepare them for what happens if they are forced to use a gun to save their lives. That's why I use CCW Safe. They offer membership plans for concealed carry permit holders, and if members are involved in a use of force incident, CCW Safe provides expert witnesses, investigators, and the best defense attorneys in the U.S. Yearly plans range from $99 for a single membership to $150 for a dual membership, and special plans are available for law enforcement and military. Members are required to have a valid concealed carry permit and must maintain their permit. Visit ccwsafe.com today. AM 590, the answer. This portion of the firing line is brought to you by Prado Olympic Shooting Park in Chino and Vortex Optics. Vortex, the force of optics. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Is this not why you are here? Welcome back to the firing line, ladies and gentlemen. This is your host, Paul Chabot, filling in for the great Phil Naiman, who's out, but we'll be back with you uh Later on, look, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we have had a tremendous uh, day with you here talking about critical issues that affect all of us. I, I want to change the conversation just just a little bit uh, to those of us that you know drive on our streets. Maybe you get out of the house every once in a while. Want to talk with you about some bills that are coming up that are definitely going to make us less safe. The governor is looking at releasing even more felons out of our state prisons. This governor. Uh, who has signed into law bills that have made you and I less safe is now proposing another measure for the 2016 election that would let out even more people out of our prisons. Look, um, here's the problem with that. First off, the leftist ideology has a, a hug a thug mentality here in California. They really don't care about the victims or the victims of crime. And to me, it is a perversion of the human psyche when an individual in a leadership position can go forward and vote on something that they know or should know will endanger our communities. I worked in our state prison system as a state parole board commissioner uh, for a number of years, uh, I think about four years. I was appointed four different times by Governor Schwarzenegger, took a small reprieve when I was called up to go to Iraq in 2008. And I jokingly said, uh, 
when I went to Iraq, when I, my last day on the parole board for that segment, I told people going to Iraq is going to be a vacation away from this job. Let me tell you about our, our prison system. First off, uh, God bless the men and women that work there that try to hold on uh, every single day. Uh, the place is an absolute bureaucratic train wreck. Uh, we don't run the prisons, ladies and gentlemen, the criminals do. And when you go inside of our prisons, what I saw uh, were mostly tattooed gang members, head to toe, who could care less about you or I. When I worked in our prison system, 20% of the population were illegal alien gang members uh, from MS-13 and other organizations, extremely violent, who would continue to walk across our porous border and commit crimes on you and I with guns, with weapons, with their fists, with whatever they could, could do. And when you see that kind of a failed system in California, which is becoming a failed state, any rational person, any rational person has to ask themselves, how do I protect myself against a state like California, where they purposefully release violent people back into our community. Now, now here's the catch. The governor and the leftists in this state, the progressives will say they're not violent criminals. Their last conviction was car theft, not a violent crime. Well, that's fine and dandy, but what we're missing here is their history. Their entire history is not taken into consideration. It is simply their last conviction. So you could have had somebody who was domestic abuser Lifetime, thug, in and out of prison, should have stayed there anyway, gets out, steals a car, goes back, and then all of a sudden California's new law says, well, you're a nonviolent individual. Your last commitment offense was for auto theft. Have a nice day. And where are these people ending up, ladies and gentlemen? They're ending up on your street, on my street, on our streets. They don't belong on any street. Where Where have we gone wrong in our society where it is okay to continue to victimize the innocent and allow violent gang members to patrol our neighborhoods like they do? There are more gang members on the streets of America than there are police officers. Now, many states do a good job. California, not one of them. This state changed the dollar amount of what it takes to classify a crime as a felony. There are really two classifications of crimes, ladies and gentlemen, a a misdemeanor and a felony. A misdemeanor is the lower level crime. You can serve up to a year in the county jail. A felony is state prison, a year or more. Prior to this law being passed, anything over five or under $500 was considered a misdemeanor. Now, because of this new law, they have changed and increased that dollar amount to $950. So what does that mean? That means that crooks know that they now can steal guns that are valued above 500 and most guns are below 950 And it's a misdemeanor, ladies and gentlemen, a misdemeanor. And because now our county jails are so full because the state has released all of them and we can't send them back to state prison, the county jails have in turn turned into state prisons. So now you have a violent historical gang member in possession of a gun under 
the value of $950. What are the real odds of that person going to state prison? Virtually non-existent. And the crooks know this. They roll the dice now because they know the odds of them going to prison are slim to none. Because there's a process that has to play out here. These violent criminals, these gang members, first off, what I think we must do is prosecute any gang member in, the, in possession of a gun. A gang member, a registered gang member, which we do in law enforcement, we register gang members based on our training, based on the identification of what we find with their tattoos and what they say. There's a database. What I propose is this, and I think this will dramatically make us all safer, is that any registered gang member found in possession of a gun, because they can't have them to begin with, especially the felons, we don't worry about state or county. What I want to do is bring the ATF in here and go after these violent thugs with a mandatory minimum, say 10 or 15 or 20 years. That, ladies and gentlemen, will put the fear in God in these thugs that are out here with stolen guns and guns imported from other areas with no serial numbers. That will put the fear of God into them because federal prison time, ladies and gentlemen, you're going to do almost all of it. If you get a year sentence or two year sentence here in California, good luck. You're probably going to do a few months and come back home. And our state prisons, hey, they're not bad. They have better health care in our state prisons, ladies and gentlemen, than what our veterans receive here at our VA hospitals. Isn't that a disgrace? So these crooks get three square meals a day, cable TV, lift weights. They can hang out with their homies, tattoo one another, learn how to be a more sophisticated criminal and come back out and re-victimize. I don't know about you, ladies and gentlemen, but I have had enough. Haven't you? We should look at life through the lens of being a parent or a grandfather. What kind of community do we want to see our children raised in? Today, we live in an entitlement community where free phone uh, booths are set up all around town, where there is a lack of accountability. We've got to make sure that people on welfare, we want to take care of those who can't take care of themselves. But how long does that go on for those who are able-bodied? Shouldn't they be performing community service? every single day for an hourly wage rate donated back to the state, back to your government for the tax dollars that they take from you and I? How long do we allow generational welfare to impact our communities? Because these children grow up in those environments. And that's not the American way. $19 trillion in debt that your children and mine are going to have to bear the burden on. And all the problems that we are dealing with today in this society with ISIS from 15 to 30 countries, violent street gangs, thugs, organized crime, prison gangs, drug cartels, and now terrorist networks in and amongst our communities, don't, didn't we already have enough to worry about? But yet the leftist leaders in this country fail, fail to protect you, fail to protect our children, fail to protect our families. So we must take that safety into our own hands. And that's why being a gun, a gun owner, a responsible gun owner provides that level of safety, which this government has failed to provide, failed to provide with violent crime up 14%, 12 to 14% year over year. 
Things aren't going to get much better, ladies and gentlemen. The radical ideology of wanting to outlaw and ban guns while allowing violent gang members back on our streets for possession of an illegal gun is a backwards way of thinking that our forefathers would never have understood nor tolerated. We are a very forgiving people. We love this nation. We love our land. We love our constitution. But ladies and gentlemen, we are it, the last great hope on this planet. And it is the values and morals that keep this nation strong. And it is strong because of people like you who fight every single day for ensuring that this country remains great and accountable. Accountable. Ladies and gentlemen, this will close out my time with you this evening. My name is Paul Chabot. You can find me at voteforavet.com or pollchabot.com here on the firing line filling in for the great Bill Naaman. God bless. When you have to shoot, shoot. Don't talk. The Firing Line Radio Show has been brought to you by Bullseye Sports in Riverside, the Riverside Indoor Shooting Range, CCW Safe, Moppin Financial Advisors, Cutting Edge Bullets for when you care enough to send the very best, Prado Olympic Shooting Park in Chino, and Vortex Optics. Vortex, the force of optics. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com. <laughs>